Hello, PolyAm fam, and welcome to Talk Your Poly Off, presented by ilovepoly.org. This is your podcast for ethically navigating your relationships, your community, and yourself for a healthier and happier lifestyle. This is Bella Doll. She is my sunshine full of giggles. And this is Joshua Monsuda, the logic to my emotion and the chaos to my order. So now you know us. Pull up a seat and let's talk our poly off. Welcome back, Polly and fam. <laughs> Hi, Bella. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Uh, apparently not as good as you. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> how are you feeling today? Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. Up in spirits? For now. Oh, no. <laughs> Can't really complain. Everything's good. Fantastic. How are you? Wait. Oh. To the typo phone. I wanted to play like, <laughs> some sort of ring ring music, but I got nothing. Mission Impossible is your ringtone? I was trying to do a Batman thing, but Mission Impossible is all that came to mind. Oh, you got to be like, na 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 typo. Oh, that was so cute. We don't have a soundboard for you guys, so it's just us. You're welcome. <laughs> so, but yeah, typo phone. Yeah, we actually got activity right off the bucket. Right off the bucket? Yeah. Right off the bat? The bucket. Oh, okay. <laughs> if you say so. You've never heard that before? No, is that a Wyoming thing? No. Oh. No, I just made that up. Oh, that's why I haven't heard that before. Oh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> So we've got some questions from some people that texted in. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. There's Bella's TikTok hole. TikTok for the win. Yes, Bella has a TikTok hole. No, you can't fuck it. <laughs> I play in my TikTok hole when I take a bath. That's a new way of saying it. I haven't heard that before. <laughs> Yes, I spiral, I TikTok, I don't make anything yet, but I just watch all the funny, funny things. Nice. Yeah. All right, so let's start it off with the first one. All right. Well, we've been asked, how do you stay grounded when floating high in NRE? The third prong. What? Like a fork prong? No, like an electrical third prong. It's a grounding prong. Oh, so we we need to give them a third prong. No, they need to find their third prong. Oh, okay. How do you stay grounded <laughs> when you are floating high in NRE? Yeah. Like you are knowledgeable enough to understand and recognize that you are in NRE. You're in a new relationship. New relationship energy if you happen to be new here. Yeah, that's what NRE is. And you, so you're in this new relationship and, and things are going great and you're super happy and giddy and la 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 la. Wow. And you can tell that you are floating high and feeling good in NRE. So you want to make a conscious effort to stay grounded. Well, I've never been in NRE, so I don't know if I've experienced in this. Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> we had some pretty crazy NRE. We did. Yeah. We did not stay grounded. No. Lesson learned. <laughs> we just floated away. Yeah, like helium. <laughs> and Bella's voice. Hey! What? So how do you stay grounded in, in RE? 
well, first is to be aware that it's actually a thing. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, logically, once you realize that something exists and how it exists, you learn how to handle it while it's existing. Right. You can't fix it or handle it or deal with it if you don't know it's there. One of the things that's supremely important is I'm assuming that the question comes from a place of perhaps, and maybe it's not right for me to assume, but I'm going to anyway, is that perhaps the person who contacted the typo phone Mm -hmm. has at least one currently existing partner and has developed a new relationship with another partner and is running high on the energy from this other relationship. And so they're trying to maybe figure out how to manage these feelings so that they don't accidentally forget or not provide enough energy to their existing partner. Right. That's the vibe I get too. I mean, thinking about it logically, if you were currently unpartnered, why not just revel in the NRE? So I would imagine... Well, there's reasons why not there also. (laughs) (laughs) Because often when you leap before you look... Yeah. You didn't dive into a pool. Maybe you <laughs> dove into lava or feces. Gross! Just saying. But yes, that is the impression that I get, that there is a current partner and a new partner, and they're getting lost in NRE with a new partner and don't want to leave the old partner behind. Okay. You know, I actually had a thought process when you were just saying all that, when I was reflecting on my analogy. Yeah. NRE is kind of like the relationship... or. Yeah, it's it's like jackass for relationships. <laughs> like you become Johnny Knoxville? Yeah, I'd be like, hi, I'm Johnny Knoxville. Welcome to NRE. And then just does a bunch of stupid stuff. <laughs> and then they have to pay for it later. I can see that. I can see that. Okay, so enough with the sidetracks. <laughs> Where would be one place that you would say? I think it would be important to start with, one, having that conversation with your current partner mm-hmm. partner you've been with longer say hey i recognize that this is going on and i want to make it a point to make sure that you still feel important and a big part of my life and maybe talk it out from there and work through okay well let's make some more special date night so that way your existing partner feels special while you're floating in a new space i really liked that while you were saying that, you were physically consoling me. You're like rubbing on my it's arm okay. and trying to let me know that it's okay. That was. Really I don't good. have a new partner to let you know. <laughs> I'm just loving on you. Oh, it was fun. I think that's a pretty good piece of help. Yeah, I think it's a good starting point, right? Have that conversation. Maybe your current partner can tell you, hey, I'm feeling X, Y, and Z. So that'll give you a place to start with helping with their feelings. Yeah. Also, I know that. As we're maturing into 2021, some of the things that we want to really focus on for ourselves and for the podcast is self-building. Right. So this is another place that I would personally say that you could help your NRE by remembering your impulsivity. Now, this is funny because I'm not good at handling (laughs) my impulsivity. No. But the one thing that I've been learning is that moment between having an experience Mm -hmm. or something that changes your thought process, something that gives you something you could react to. Right. And then if you take some time to hesitate on responding to this, 
about five seconds or so, a little more than that maybe, that moment of pause will give you the chance to say, okay, as much as I want to go skydiving with this person all of a sudden, maybe I need to take a minute and think about the other things that I need to do. Yeah. Might I, not come off. No, definitely. I mean, we use that with my weight loss stuff when I'm trying to cut down on my portion sizes. And it's like, you're helpful in the way when you ask, you know, are you really hungry? Do you really want that? And it causes me to take that five second pause mm -hmm. and think about it. Am I really that hungry or am I just bored and it tastes good and I want to add it in? So I think yeah. that the same can be said for pausing when you're making those impulsive relationship choices too. Right. And it really for me is when I'm making impulsive decisions, I'm doing it from an emotional state. Like I'm really excited and I love being really excited, right? You want to make out for the first time? I'm totally down. Let's do this thing. <laughs> but wait a second. If I take that, that few second pause and think, am I at a place where I'm ready to do this? Am I at a place where I'm going to be able to give proper consent to do this and mm -hmm. making sure that they're giving proper consent? Also, uh, talking about having an established partner, is this something that my established partner and I have already discussed? Right. And, you know, we've said in previous episodes, our what if game. Mm -hmm. What if we go to the club and this might happen? What if we go and this might happen? This gives you a chance to think back, is this something which my established partner and I have talked about as a what-if possibility? Right. And it gives you the chance to say, wait a minute, I need to also consider that it's not just me who this affects, mm -hmm. and how would this affect the people around me? Definitely. That's a really good one. I think something, too, that might have helped us in our beginnings when we were deep in NRE and current partners might have been feeling left behind. We wanted to spend, at least I'll speak for my side. I wanted to spend every minute with you. Like I was already, I was living with another partner, but it didn't matter. I came home from work and I wanted to see you. I wanted to go out with you. I wanted to just go get new cell phones with you. All the things I wanted to include you. That is not the thought process. Man, I really can't wait to go get new cell phones with you. <laughs> We did all the errands together. Right, right. Anyway, go ahead. But I think what might have helped is if I took that pause and was like, you know, we maybe we should have a little bit of time in between. Like, I just saw him. Maybe I should run this errand with my current partner or see if they're interested in running this errand with me. Like, the world, I needed to stop and be like, the world does not revolve around Monsida. Maybe. <laughs> maybe I should try to connect a little bit more with my existing partner. Yeah, definitely. And then to add to that, if, you know, I mean, we're trying to keep it relatively simple. You're talking about your existing partner. How would it potentially affect a metamor? Yeah. Or my existing partner or one of them or whatever, right? So it, it's a moment to reflect and see who you need to connect with. Maybe need is a strong word, but who you would benefit from connecting with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then my final tip on it would be maybe doing a bit of a reality check, right? And just reflecting on your new relationship and how well do I know this person? How long have we even been talking? And while you might be madly in love with them and everything's amazing, sit down and reflect for a minute and slow down and ask yourself those questions and really get back to reality 
to ground yourself in, hey, I don't really know, I don't even know their last name. I only know their (laughs) Facebook profile name. You know, I have a different name online than I do legally. Right. How long does it take for someone I'm dating to even know that? Right. So maybe slowing down and giving yourself a little bit of a reality check. And then to cap on that is also the reality check of that pause. We're talking about doing it in impulsive decisions. There's also downtime between the time you get to spend with that person in the sense that you and I just got done doing all this cell phone stuff that was really exciting. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And now we're talking about maybe going out and checking out waterfalls or something. Right. But we haven't stopped really spending time together. Even if it was like I dropped you off and then I went home and then we're texting like, oh, what do you want to do tomorrow? What do you want to do this thing? You want to go out Take that moment to enjoy the time of reflection that you get between the time you connect with this person. Yeah. So that you can not just remember fondly how you're feeling about it, but how does it work into your life or where where your benefits or your detriments or, you know, it's it's kind of a strategy game. Yeah. Right? You want to make sure that you're making the right moves so you get to be successful in the game. And if you're just eager to get your turn in, then you're maybe not spending the time you need to strategize in a way to have long-term success. Definitely. All right. Well, that's our basic tip on that question. Hopefully that helps somebody. Yeah. And I'm sure that we could, we'll talk about stuff like that quite a bit in the future. Yeah. Okay, so I got another one. Okay, I'm ready. I don't know where to start when it comes to having a hard conversation with my partner. Do you have any tips? Don't. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do it. It's a trap. (laughs) Have all the hard conversations. Don't listen to him. Have all the hard conversations. But it's definitely hard to get started, especially if you come from or if you have a history of difficult relationships where they made it uneasy where they made it even abusive if you tried to have those hard conversations even if you keep it all on yourself with i feel and i statements they maybe internalized it so much that it turned into a lashing for you it's hard to approach these hard conversations when that's your history and we know that we get that yeah actually try to have as many hard conversations as possible and do it in a way that they become normal conversations A lot of people are afraid to have these hard conversations because they're afraid of the potential fight or fallout or whatever that comes afterwards. It happens once in a blue moon and we fight and then we never have a hard conversation again. And we never speak of it again. Right. (laughs) Right. Try Try to find ways, not in a manipulative way, but try to find ways that you and the partner you want to have the conversation with can come together and speak freely and openly. That means you've got to listen when they're having their hard conversation. And again, there's that five second pause. When they say something and you really want to react to it, just chill, (laughs) take a few seconds and think about it. So how do you, did they ask, how do you engage in a hard conversation? I don't know where to start. Or just how to have a hard, okay. I I do have one because Mm -hmm. I tend to be the bigger emotional feeler in our relationship. Yes. My feelings control me. Yes, you are. (laughs) So when I'm having some feelings that are difficult or I'm upset by something, 
one of my go-to statements, and hopefully this will help someone else because it's really simple, is just, hey, I'm having some feelings about X, Y, and Z. When can we make some time to have a conversation about it? Yeah. So it's just me admitting that I'm having some feelings. I'm not pointing the finger that you did something wrong. I'm just having feelings about something. When is a good time to talk? Because right now might not be a good time. Maybe your partner's stressed from work. Maybe they've got other stuff on their mind and they're too distracted and now is not a good time. Or maybe now is perfect. But instead of saying or demanding like that we talk right now, tell them you're feeling something, tell them you want to talk, and when would be a good time. Yeah. And then I would also like to think that when I try to have these conversations, I try to come from a place of compassion. Mm -hmm. I understand that my partner is not my opponent. And I like to make sure that while I'm respecting my own boundaries, because I'm having to have this hard conversation that might be affecting my boundary, right? that the person that I'm partnered with is actually a teammate and we're working toward the same goal. I'm not always successful. We're not <laughs> always going to be successful. But this person loves you and this person cares about you and you love them and you care about them. And this is just a way to build onto the foundation of your relationship to have this emotional home together. Right. Even if they have a bad initial reaction, usually it's out of a place of fear mm -hmm. or, you know, their defensiveness is usually a fearful place. It's not meant to lash out at you. So even if this conversation goes horribly wrong and it's not at all what you expected, if you can both come back together, remembering, like you said, that, that you're on the same team, yeah, the next hard conversation will be better and easier. You just have to keep at it and, and coming at it from a place of, like you said, compassion, but also from a place of, I have this need whether it's to talk something out or express my feelings. I want to talk about me for a minute. Don't make it the finger pointing game. As yeah. soon as you make it the finger pointing game because your partner did something wrong, it's going to go downhill. Generally. Yeah. I mean, there's ways to talk through that, but those are the things that you'll learn through the hard conversations that you have more often. It's, it's building. It's learning their language. It's learning what upsets them or bothers them or what causes them to close down and trying to avoid those things in order to have a more open and honest discussion. Yeah. yeah. And even the love language comes into play because I know when we have hard conversations or get into an argument, I know that when things have calmed down, if I come up to you and I, I touch you, I hug you, mm -hmm. uh, it's calming. And it yeah, kind I of feel like you're cheating when you do that. <laughs> yeah, we're having a serious conversation. I'm very staunch in my point. And then you go, like, give a little tiny neck rub or something just to say, hey, I'm here. And then I'm like, oh, now I can't fight with her because that feels nice. <laughs> it's so not you fair. Learn your partner. <laughs> know how they love and speak, you can connect to them easier. Not to disarm them necessarily, <laughs> but but to show your affection in like nonverbal communication. Yeah, joking aside, it's actually one of the great ways to diffuse a tense situation. Like again, I'm very staunch in my standpoint mm -hmm. on this. And maybe I'm still wrong, 
But in my mind, I'm right as hell because I didn't stop and take that time to pause and reflect or pause and process. And she doesn't want things to go sideways. So she'll come and, and maybe a little hug or just holding a hand or something. And that's enough of where my brain is like, oh, now I have to process she's touching me. <laughs> then <laughs> I, have to, me. I have to process the other things as well because she's not meeting my frustration with frustration she's meeting it with compassion and so i'm like wait a minute that's right we're not here to argue with each other we're here to work together and then i go back and i'm like oh shit i was kind of wrong right there <laughs> or even if i was right oh i probably could have explained it in this way which helps my point and helps her see because this way that i'm trying to explain it now is using her language right so we're learning how to communicate with each other again after deciding not to so yeah right. i think that i think that as, as hard as it is just come at it with compassion that would be a great start right so did you get any questions i mean i think each question was for us yes but i mean did you pull any off <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a little tuggy tug on any question? Uh, well, there may or may <laughs> not have been a voicemail, oh. but we won't talk about <laughs> that. There was a question. Yeah. What should I do if a partner wants to veto? Dun, dun, dun. So veto, for anyone who might not be up on the slang or hip with the lingo, <laughs> down with what the kids say these days... <laughs> A veto is a part of a relationship agreement where the partners have decided to open their relationship, but if one partner cannot sit in their comfortability of exploring relationships, they have the right to say, you can no longer see this person. They veto another person or another action. Or even polyamory to begin with. Right. You know, I'm going to give this a shot for three months and then I'm going to veto it if it doesn't work for me. Right, and then we will never speak of it again. <laughs> so what should I do if a partner wants to veto? My first question is, is this an agreed upon thing, right? The veto. Yeah. The Did, option for that. Yeah, yeah, when you were having the discussion about opening up or whether you're single and you're with this partner, was it there from the beginning? Um, whatever the situation was, did you agree that the option to veto was there? Or... Is this out of the blue, out of nowhere? You guys got together, you've got this relationship, you've opened up and you're all dating, and now suddenly this partner wants to veto someone you're seeing? So I think that's the first clarifying point. Well, I think regardless of the clarifying point, I think that the veto is a really rough thing to do. Not yes. just to your partner that you're trying to veto their further connections, but to that other person who never agreed to the veto in the first place yes. and may not have known that you have agreed upon a veto process in your current relationship. Mm -hmm. I've been there and that sucks. <clears throat> yeah, it really does. And I've been on the receiving end of that once mm -hmm. and cool. I can handle my feelings about some of this stuff a lot better than some people. So as much as it sucked, mm -hmm. uh, you just got to move on and leave it up to the person doing the vetoing to realize that they can't sit in their comfort. Yeah. But 
we're not we're not trying to speak <laughs> for the person that got vetoed. We're talking about the partner who has been given the veto order. Right, and I think if it was part of your dynamic and your relationship that this person is allowed to veto, then you need to figure out how to have a kind conversation with the person you're seeing and how and why it's going to end. If it was not a part of your relationship agreement, I think that discussion needs to happen with the current partner who's trying to veto it. Yeah. And where is this coming from? Are you just insecure? Is this a jealousy or, or envy thing coming up for you? Let's talk it out and work through it because I'm not ready to give up this person I'm falling for. Right. And that's not what love is about is shutting other people's doors. It's about allowing those doors to be open and allowing that person to love freely, just like you want to love freely. Yeah. And a veto, a veto is really a person saying, I'm not comfortable with what I'm feeling around what you are doing. Yeah. And so because I can't handle my comfort level, you need to stop it. Yeah. It's very much a reflection of the person who's doing the vetoing. And if you guys agree on a veto and you guys can work through it, I mean, that's that's up to you. I'm, I'm not judging the veto. No, but my tip in that situation, if it is part of your dynamic, that's you. Cool. Do you make sure going forward that whoever you're seeing knows that that's part of the dynamic from the start. So yeah. if you're going to start dating someone new, hey, John Smith, it's cool. We're connecting. But my partner at home has veto power if they don't feel comfortable with something like make sure that's known up front. So John Smith doesn't feel shit on later down the road right. that someone else is in control of his relationship. Exactly. You know, and that's, that's a great point. It was something I was thinking about in the beginning and we've just gotten so greatly sidetracked. <laughs> so I'm glad that you bring that back up because if you and your current partner mm -hmm. were dating and then you and I started seeing each other and you said, Hey, wait, before we get serious, I want you to know that my partner and I both have veto rules. And that means at any given moment, my partner can say no more and you and I have to be done. Then I can make the informed decision. Do I want to continue this relationship with Bella? Mm -hmm. Or do I not want to have to deal with some kind of abstract rule or law that would prevent me from further contact? Right. And that's something that I've dealt with enough times now that on a personal level, I know I wouldn't, I won't date someone who has a veto power over me from an outside partner. Right. I am totally down. Like I'm a total unicorn. Like I love dating couples. I love dating married people because you join a family. Like I'm all of, I don't even care if it's hierarchical. Like I don't feel like a secondary person because I know who I am as a person. I, and I understand that a parent is going to come before someone who's not a parent to my children. Right. I'm on board with that. Like I can ma manage my own shit around it. But if you're going to tell me that someone else has power over my relationship, that one I can't do. And that's a boundary and that's great. Yeah. So that's the other thing is that, uh, and I think we've already mentioned it a little bit, is that if the veto is going against your personal boundary, Maybe when you agreed upon it, all this polyamory was theoretical and there was no actual experience. And so a veto sounded like a good, safe way to protect your relationship. Cool. But as you've gone on and have developed experience in this, mm -hmm. and now you're realizing that theoretical safeguards 
aren't really beneficial for experiential love, then you need to review your boundary. Yeah. You need to renegotiate this veto thing. Yep. And if you're a person that is willing to give veto, and I mean, again, if that's what you want to do, I'm not judging you. Your poly is not my poly, but your poly is okay. But if you are a person who's willing to throw down a veto and you or have done it, maybe take the time to take that pause and say, why am I struggling with this? And, and what kind of work do I need to do with myself to be more comfortable with someone else? experiencing things without me or how do I deal with my insecurities or my ego issues yeah. or whatever it is that's causing me to want to have this veto what is it that I need to work on for me that helps make this not so heart-wrenchingly painful yeah no that's a good way to to wrap that one up is doing that internal reflection and boundaries and what actually works for you does the veto work or does it not work and Either talking to your outside partner or talking to your nesting anchor partner, figuring it out. Yeah. Check your boundaries, check your ego, and always be upfront with the person you're getting ready to go into a relationship with. Yeah. So I think you've got another one. I do. You do. Oh, this one was actually, I chose this one very specifically. Yeah. How to handle when your family or friends are demonizing you. Now, I, I just kind of paraphrased it. But basically, you come out as polyamorous, mm -hmm. and the people that are currently in your life that don't know what polyamory are, are suddenly firing shots because what you're doing is, is not right, and it goes against marriage, and it goes against everything that they grew to believe in, and now they're treating you like garbage. Right, and it can even be like friends or family of your partner. Right. Maybe your partner has been monogamous their whole life and now they're bringing home this poly partner for Christmas and the family's like, it's your fault. You're turning my son or daughter polyamorous. Then you hear words like homewrecker. <laughs> I've had that. That's you know, fun. You're going to hell. <laughs> so being demonized. Yeah. Essentially, I mean, you are here to live your life. And you have people in your life that you want to stay in your life, mm -hmm. family members, your grandma, whoever it is, right? And you don't want to destroy those relationships with them. But as we talked about earlier, you got to have your own personal boundaries. And if they're willfully violating those boundaries, then they're not loving and respecting you in the way that you might deserve to be loved and respected. Yeah, definitely. And I know with my family, it always came up around weight loss, but I, I mean, I could turn this to relationships too. One of my boundaries is whatever the topic, weight, my relationships, I'm not going to discuss that if you can't talk to me in a kind, civil manner. Soon as the conversation turns, I'm leaving the room. Yeah. So I will not engage. One of my personal experiences in this is that you know, I came out as Polly a long time ago. I guess it wasn't really I came out. I just started talking about it. Like for me, having normal conversations normalized the whole thing. So if I'm talking to a family member and I talk about my wife and my girlfriend and then they start getting weird about it, 
then I can just have a casual conversation to help them not be worried about it or say, hey, you know, if you don't like it, then we don't need to talk about it, but they're both going to stay in my life. Right. At any rate, my dad, who is not the ideal father (laughs) um, and has made many of his own mistakes, not that I'm judging him, but just to let people know that he's not speaking high off of a pedestal of innocence, had over the last couple of years with the separation my wife and I have experienced, you know, he's, he tries to casually come into my life every now and again for a little while, try to reconnect to his son and, and it's good. And I, I love him. And I, and I like when that happens, but this last go around, he felt that I'd made a lot of mistakes. He didn't tell me because he's trying not to tell me things <laughs> because the last times he did many years ago, I lit him up because I wasn't going to let him violate my boundaries anymore. And so he keeps the peace with me. But then I started getting a lot of words back from other family members on how poorly he was speaking of me and my decisions and how he will no longer talk to me (laughs) because of what I've done. Right. Right. Like, like what I've done is so bad. (laughs) So, That's okay. As much as I want my dad in my life and as much as I love my dad, and in some ways I actually look up to him, I don't need his approval. And I'm always going to love him. And if he comes back into my life tomorrow, I will pick up where things left off and I will happily move forward. But until he can respect my life, like I respect his, uh, I can love him from afar. Yeah. And that's really hard to do for some people who are very close with their family. And it's like what we talked about earlier, those uncomfortable conversations. Mm-hmm. You've got to sit in those feelings. You've got to sit in that that what if stage and be like, I've never been close to anyone like I'm close to my aunt John, you know, like, yeah. but I need to take care of me. And maybe in time, Aunt John will come around and we can fix these things. But until then, I'm not going to live by someone else's rules. Yeah, definitely a lot of it comes back to your boundaries and communication. And we'll get into some of those deeper personal development type skill episodes as we get further on into the season. But it's definitely difficult to be made into the bad guy. And I've been called a homewrecker on many occasions. It's a good time. But I'm also at a point in my life where I understand again, that's not a reflection of me. That's them. Mm -hmm. You know, first of all, they don't know what they're talking about because I've joined a family and not wrecked the family. Um, And secondly, being able to sit, like you said, in those negative feelings of, oh, maybe I am doing this wrong or maybe this gives me time to reflect on it and how I feel and revisit those boundaries. And is this a boundary I still want to leave in place or am I okay with this or do things need to change? Yeah. You know, and sometimes keeping those toxic people, family, friends, whoever they are at arm's length is necessary for the moment. Right. And then a lot of times people worry, well, what about my kids? I mean, my kids need to have a connection with their great aunt John or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, and I've got to say from experience that when my kids were little, I would try to keep the peace a lot with very many family members. And 
I've got to say, I've got some shitty family members, <laughs> like a lot of them. And I, I don't care to talk to any of them anymore because I started taking care of me. And that meant that they couldn't control me. But in the process, that created a divide between my children and, and some of these family members. And now that my children are all grown up, they're able to go back and rebuild a bridge mm -hmm. if they want. And many times as they've tried to go back and they were raised by the values I gave them of taking care of themselves and don't let people shit on you and, and like believe in your own boundaries and your own self. These people that they wanted to connect with because they had great memories as a four-year-old, suddenly they're like, wow, that person really is kind of not a great person. <laughs> so your kids, when they grow up, they'll be able to make their adult choices on their own. And that's perfectly fine. Yeah. And it's just, it's just a matter of life. You got to take care of you and your own. So if you're in that situation where friends and family or partners, friends and family are making you out to be the bad guy and demonizing you, I think it just takes some good conversations Talk to them like normal people, right? Like instead of coming in and sharing all your sexcapades at the adult club, just talk to them like you would normal, everyday Joe Schmo, you yeah. know? You don't have to impress them with all these things. Show them that you're a real person too. And maybe they can connect with you on your super awesome woodworking skills because that's an, an activity that they partake in as well right. and they will forget the crazy wild fun things that you might be doing or they may never know and it's just a matter of realizing their projections are not your reflections yeah and if you bring your new partners in just like humans just like friends or family then hopefully your family or the people that are demonizing might find like what Bella was saying commonality yeah connection and maybe don't hide them under the veil of just a friend. Right, right. Nobody I mean, likes to be hidden. Because then that sets up a precedence of, you know, elusiveness or deceit. And then that will make these people even more resistant to knowing this person. Right. So that's, I think that's a pretty good set of questions. We had yeah, some more. We but... have some more and I'm sure we'll revisit some. Mm-hmm. But if you want to ask us a question, either by voicemail or texting in, if you want us to play your question on the air, let us know. Also, give us your pronouns so we don't misgender, mispronoun you. The phone number is 209-536-8976. That's 209-536-TYPO. <laughs> and give us a ring on the TYPO phone and we will do some more Q&A. Yeah, definitely. So until we speak again, yep. I think that we've got some things to do. So it was great answering your questions. We appreciate everyone who used the typo phone. And, and see you next Tuesday. Bye, Polyam fam. Thank you for talking your poly off with Bella. And Monsada. You can find our Facebook page in the links. Or by searching for I Love Polly and liking the page Polyamory Get Your Heart On. You can also find I Love Polly on Instagram and Twitter by searching I Love Polly Cares. If you want us to help you navigate to all of our online presence, check out the show notes or come on over to ilovepolly.org. We would love to hear from you. That's right. And you can get in touch with us by emailing podcast at ilovepolly.org. That's singular podcast, not plural. 
So until our next discussion, Polyam fam. Live like there's no tomorrow. Laugh until it hurts. And, and love, love without, without limits. limits.